Week two is here, and you are part of the CFF site's week two college fantasy football show. My name is Joe DeSalvo, the voice of the CFF site, and a lot going on at the site this week because, quite frankly, there are a ton of games going on, arguably the biggest slate, if not the biggest slate of the 2022 season. There are only two teams that don't play this week, Western Kentucky and Florida State. And there are a ton of FBS versus FCS matchups. So from a total game perspective, this is probably going to be the biggest slate of the week. Tons of options out there for you guys that stream defense special teams on a week-to-week basis. A lot of options out there. The top 20 rankings are up on the site. The week two player projections are up on the site. Mike's DFS Friday light, uh, write-up is already up on the site, and we're going to get the rest of the week. I know he's working right now. I'm recording the show. He's at work with the DFS write-up, so a lot still to come with the CFF site in week two. But as we wind down the week after we get the projections up, I like to sit down behind the microphone and kind of discuss what's gone on in week one, what we're looking forward to in week two. You know, a little bit dynamic a different dynamic this week. Going into week one, there's always that element of unknown, the element of surprise. What do we know? What do the depth charts tell us? What do do the depth charts not tell us, right? And so I mentioned this on last week's show. You cannot put a ton of stock into depth depth chart releases. We actually have to see those players and teams on the field before we start putting a lot of stock And we have to trust our eyes more so than that piece of paper. So we're going to get into that this week. We're going to go through the games. We're going to start with the Friday games. We're going to go through the weekend and just kind of discuss what we saw last week. Where are some questions I still have going into week two? What would we like to see moving forward? And, you know, maybe are there players here and there where there are not watch lists? Maybe we haven't added them yet, but they had a good week one and, On the flip side of that, where are some of the players that we drafted? Where are some of the players that we at the CFF site ranked that maybe we're on the fence right now? A little bit of a hold after one week, but once we get a couple of weeks of data in, it gives us uh, a bigger sample size to make some decisions and corrections moving forward, right? Um, With that being said, also going on at the site, there are a ton ton of in-house leagues, redraft leagues, best ball leagues as well. One in particular that really of interest is the four-in-one one super fantasy league where over 100 teams are registered still early on. It's only one weekend. The first round of the first half tournament is already in the book, so we've got 32 teams left in that bracket over the next few weeks that'll play it out but everyone else is still alive in that you still got the eliminator coming up you've got the second half tournament we've got the head to head tournament that starts in a couple of weeks but like i said it's still early but i just want to give a shout out in week 1 to the guys that have jumped up on top of the leaderboard right out of the gate at the top left coast with 451 points followed by Rosie Bugsy Addy B, 17, Uncle Buck, and KSG, KAG, rounding out the top five. Like I said, it's still early, but I want to give a shout out to the guys that have gotten out of the gate fast week one. Great start for you guys. So try to give a shout out to you guys and give you updates on the 4-in-1 Super Fantasy League as we go. One big league, four different formats, four different champions, four different runner-ups. You haven't gotten in this year. Hopefully, you get it next year. And most important note, I cannot say this enough, particularly as we get later in the year. Make sure you're clearing out your rosters at the end of the weekend after the points have baked in so you do not get caught setting an illegal lineup. Because remember, you can only use one player, one time, one weekly lineup build, and they're gone for the year. You've got to use different players week in and week out. So, what did we see in week one? A ton. Uh, some of what we expected, some not as expected, some surprises, and we're going to go through that. I don't want to waste a lot of time in an intro because there's a lot to get to. I mentioned the projections, the DFS write-ups are coming up. Uh, you know, I'm recording this on a Thursday to try to get this out to give you guys a good, you know, 24, 36 hours to listen to it before we get into the week two games. But I think this is a really good chance to just sort of check in. Uh, see where you got, you know, kind of like measure where you're at with some of the things that that we're seeing over at the CFF site and see if we can make some decisions either going into the weekend or coming out of the weekend after we have a chance to process 
another slate of games. And so we've got two games on Friday night. We're going to go through those Louisville playing at Central Florida. And really, this one of the surprises for me in week one was the Louisville offense being held to seven points, being held down by Syracuse. Uh, Malik Cunningham, you know, came in well under where his projections had him. Uh, I'm very high on the Louisville offense this year. That week one clunker at Syracuse, big surprise for me. Uh, And I know a lot of you guys that have Malik Cunningham, obviously disappointed in that. And then on the flip side of that, John Rice Plumlee coming good. We had him ranked really high going into week one, but there was some hesitation with that, knowing that he hadn't played quarterback live in a game in two years. And so for him to come out and Gus Malzahn's offense, uh, even though it was against uh, some inferior competition was a great sign moving forward for owners of John Rice Plumley, And I think you can start him with confidence moving forward. The second game of the Friday night slate, Boise State at New Mexico. And obviously we've got questions with the Boise State quarterback situation already. And it looks like we may get another year of what are we going to expect out of George Halani, the running back. Ashton Genty, the backup, is already making his uh, presence known in that backfield I think we need another week for Halani to see what's going on before we move off of him. And obviously for Stefan Cobbs as well, we need another look at that Boise state offense. And I'm curious to know whether or not they make a move in the quarterback spot uh, full time. We'll see. Uh, We'll make the adjustments in the projections as news comes in, but those projections were in as of Wednesday That's our best call. The good thing is, is you guys can make adjustments. We'll try to make adjustments as we get news over the next 48 hours leading up to the kickoff, or at least leading up to Saturday morning to make the adjustments in the projections. Southern Miss playing on the road at Miami. Jalen Knighton should be back this week. Another problem with Southern Miss at quarterback. We thought we were done with the Frank Gore playing quarterback situation But last week, quarterback got hurt, and that's exactly what happened. They turned to Gore again, who started unleashing some passes downfield, was used exclusively in the running game, had a really big game. We'll see what happens with the quarterback situation moving forward. I think it was a a concussion protocol situation, and I feel that that we're going to be okay moving forward, but we'll see how that plays out. But You know, some of you guys, fantasy owners of Frank Gore right now, maybe, you know, a wide receiver like Brownlee at Southern Miss might be a little bit of a hold this week. See how that plays out on the road in a tough matchup at Miami, Missouri playing on the road at Kansas State. Interesting for the Missouri offense last week. They spread it all around. Dominic Lovett seemed like at times the best receiver. Um Luther Burden in the beginning of the game seemed like their best running back. Curious to see how that situation shakes out at running back where Nathaniel Pete came on, had a late touchdown run, um, you know, but again, this was a question going into the season. Pete was a guy that moved down the rankings as we started getting news from camp. You had Cody Schrader, the running back there as well. He got 17 carries for 70 yards, led the team. And it'll be curious to see how that Missouri running back situation plays out in the next game or two. And I think we're going to really get a good idea this week when they go on the road and play at Kansas State, who pretty much, you know, this is a game where I think, and here's the dilemma with week one. Sometimes you get these, Not so great. You get these easy matchups and coaches have a chance to kind of move some guys around, give some kids some snaps that they may not necessarily see once when the games get tight. And then all of a sudden you've got the games like uh, Utah, Florida, where there's not a lot of rotation. You know, those are games that are must win for some of these teams. And so, you know, you're not going to see as much rotation in that type of a matchup. And I think this is one this week for Missouri. I think we get a really good idea on where they stand going into the 2022 season when we see what happens at running back this week on the road at Kansas State. Western Illinois playing at Minnesota. Really just want to touch on this game because Muhammad Ibrahim coming back from that Achilles injury uh, really looked sharp in the first game. And I know it was New Mexico State, but I think if if you're a fantasy owner of Ibrahim, you've got to feel really good about him moving forward. Duke You wonder what last week's game was, uh, you know, easy matchup. 
I'm not ready to go there for Duke yet, not ready to move there, but I do think you've got Evan Hall, you've got Porter, a couple of options on the Northwestern side, right? We saw them play well against Nebraska in that week zero game over in Ireland. We're going to go ahead and get another matchup for Northwestern, um, you know, another game that probably won't have a lot of rotation for them, another solid matchup, and I think Evan Hall is a solid play in this game. Arkansas State going on the road to play Ohio State. These are the games where Ohio State really just kind of thrashes folks and they run up those big numbers. This should be that type of matchup here. Let's see if Travion Henderson can get going. And it looks like Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be out for a couple of weeks. So we'll see Egbuka and Harrison expecting them to have big games this week. Ohio playing on the road at Penn State. Big week for that Ohio offense last week. It's time to press the pause button this week going on the road to Penn State. And let's see the Penn State wide receivers. I think we saw in last game, I think we saw, I think that's going to hold moving forward. But let's just see how things play out with Tinsley and Washington and Lambert Smith. Let's see how that plays out with the wide receiver rotation. I think the thing of note for me in the Penn State-Purdue game was just the lack of a running game that's still at Penn State right now. And so you had a couple of freshmen come in, a couple of them play, the young guys play. Doesn't seem like we're going to get any improvement from that Penn State running game. If we are, they better show it this week while they get Ohio and host Ohio. So don't be surprised to maybe see Penn State make a concerted effort to run the ball this week to see if they could jumpstart that running game. But I don't have much hope in that as they enter conference play moving forward. And I think you're going to we're going to be on the Penn State passing game moving forward. Wake Forest playing at Vanderbilt. Mike Wright, the quarterback right now, unbelievable to say this, but the guy, if you're including week zero in your season, might be the favorite to be your fantasy league MVP right now. That should change in a hurry once Vanderbilt hits that hits that conference schedule. But the fantasy owners of Sam Hartman rejoice. He's back, should be playing this weekend. At least that's the word. Don't have him ranked as highly in the projections as I think we would have had this been game one and we knew that he was cleared. Mitch Griffiths didn't play bad last week, perhaps could get a couple of series in this game against Vanderbilt as well as Hartman could see both guys play. I would expect Hartman to get the vast majority of the snaps, and that's great news for owners of wide receiver A.T. Perry, who was fairly quiet last week in that opener. South Carolina playing at Arkansas. We mentioned in the preseason, South Carolina's revamped offense. Antoine Wells was actually looked really good last week. That was the transfer that came over from James Madison. We didn't exactly know where he was going to fit in into the rotation. He looks like he'll be an integral part of that that lineup this week. And then look at over at at Arkansas, right? You had Jaden Hazelwood come over from Oklahoma, but it was the veteran there on the team, Trey Knox, one-time highly recruited freshman receiver that ended up being their top target at the end of the day in that opener and uh, against Cincinnati. And like I said, that was a solid opponent. Arkansas could not take them lightly. So I think what we saw in Arkansas in week one is most likely going to stick for week two. Conference game. Arkansas coming off a a game against a good opponent. What we saw in week one is probably what we're going to get in week two. So, you know, that means Knox, that means Hazelwood and Landers, probably your top three targets are pretty much set in stone for Arkansas. Alabama playing at Texas. And look, we were wondering whether or not that wide receiver depth chart was going to hold true, you know, with Holden and, uh, you know, at at wide receiver and and the way the depth chart was taken out, you know, at the beginning of the season, preseason, we were thinking Jermaine Burton, we were looking at Ja'Cory Brooks, you had Harold come over from Louisville, he didn't even dress out for the first game or didn't play the first game. So I think what you're looking at with that Alabama offense, what the depth chart showed us is what we're probably going to get. Jameer Gibbs did not need a lot of touches last week to to get his yards. Matter of fact, he totaled 98 yards of offense and only had 10 touches, but Treshawn Holden, five catches, 70 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Prentice, five catches, 60 yards. Jermaine Burton, five catches, only 35 yards, but a couple of touchdowns. I think you're going to see those three guys big this week against Texas. And I think for a lot of you all, the holdup or the hesitation is going to be, do I start my Texas players? What about Bijan? What about Xavier Worthy? And I'll throw, here's what I'll tell you. 
it's hard to sit guys like Bijan because they can do damage both in the running game and the passing game. Whatever he can't get going on the ground, they they are tr- going to try to get him jump started in the passing game, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that he will. But I think if there's a game where they're going to need to get Bijan involved, it's going to be this one, right? On the other, at the receiver spot, when you look at Xavier Worthy, and I say this because when you think of Alabama over the last few years and you think about the good defenses that they've had, they were still vulnerable at times to some of the vertical threats on opposing offenses. And so that's good if you have Xavier Worthy, if that holds true. Xavier Worthy really only needs one big catch, one big play to make it worth starting him right so he may only finish with four catches 80 yards but it one may be for 60 yards and a touchdown you've got to evaluate where your roster's at figure out who you're playing how deep is your league and I think it's hard for me to come on here and say you have to start Bijan or you have to start Xavier Worthy but what I think you have to do is you really have to evaluate and say okay where's the safety security in playing this guy knowing that I'm facing this lineup here, I may need to be a little bit more aggressive where you may be able to slide Bijan Robinson more so into a flex spot this week. And then so all of a sudden now, maybe your number one running back, the running back that you got with a top five pick, you're not benching him, but you've got two or three other great alternatives in the running game and you're using him as a flex flex option. And I would say that if that's your biggest dilemma and you're using Bijan Robinson as a flex option, then you've got a really solid lineup moving forward. So things to consider. I'm not going to come on here and say start them, but I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to come on here and say bench them as well. I think you have to kind of weigh your options with that one. UTSA playing on the road at Army real quick with UTSA. Um, you know, last week, Coastal Carolina really took advantage of them, both running and in the air. So, you know, when you look at that UTSA offense last week against Houston, Remember, they lost Sincere McCormick. They returned everyone else. The offense looked really good against Houston at times. The running game looks like it's going to be slow to get going. That's really good news if you have Frank Harris, uh, Zachary um, um, uh, Franklin in the passing game or any of the UTSA passing game. I think they're going to be a little bit more pass-heavy in this game, and I think you start those guys against Army. Now, North Carolina playing at Georgia State in the preseason. I sort of made the prediction that I thought North Carolina would lose either at Appalachian State or Georgia State to start the year in two of those first three games. Um, I might be a little bit off on that because last week, or I might be a bit big off on that because North Carolina looked really has looked good offensively through two games. Now, defensively, there's still a lot of things for them to work on, but Drake may right now, <laughs> excuse me has looked really good. That North Carolina offense has looked really good. Remember, this was an offense without Josh Downs last week, and they went through an Appalachian State defense that is traditionally pretty darn good and one of the best defenses traditionally in the Sun Belt Conference. So that was, for for as impressive as an offensive performance it was by North Carolina, the defense still has a lot to work on. I don't think they'll have problems at Georgia State. But this could be one of those matchups where they hit a hiccup, a bump in the road, struggle for a quarter, and Georgia State stays in the game a little bit longer than anticipated. North Carolina North Carolina State struggled to get that win last week against East Carolina. Nonetheless, they did. They pulled it out. Looking for a bounce-back game from Devin Leary. Should run up the stats in the passing game this week. South Alabama playing at Central Michigan. Great news if you had Lou Nichols last week couple of touchdowns against Oklahoma State, basically showing that, look, it doesn't really matter who you're running up against. Most of the time, you need to start this guy. They've got another FBI, uh, big Power 5 opponent coming up in a few weeks. Let me see who that was. I know there was another opponent coming up in their schedule at Penn State in a couple of weeks. And so now, you know, what we'll be paying attention to this week is let's watch Ohio against that Penn State defense. Remember, King Doru for Purdue had a decent game against Penn State. Let's see if Ohio can generate anything on the ground against Penn State. That could be really telling on how good of a matchup Lou Nichols might have against that Penn State run defense coming up in a couple of weeks. 
Southern Utah playing on the road at Utah, a game I expect Tavion Thomas to get his early, and then you'll see a lot of rotation most likely in that Utah backfield. Lafayette playing at Temple, uh, nothing new there for Temple, going to kind of skip past that one. Western Michigan playing at Ball State, I think you'll see the run game get going. Sean Tyler, uh, Ladarius Jefferson for Western Michigan get going this week. And then on the Ball State side, I think you'll likely remember coming off of a game against Tennessee, you're likely to see Carson Steele, the running back for Ball State, and then Jay Sean Jackson as well in the passing game, who was their leading receiver last week, get going. I think you'll see a couple some good games out of those players in a MAC matchup early on in the season. Marshall playing on the road at Notre Dame. You've got those, uh, you know, Kalen LeBourne. And uh, uh, the young kid's name, let me get the uh, uh, Payne, Ethan Payne, splitting carries last week, looking really good. But you got to keep in mind, they beat up on Norfolk State. This game at Notre Dame is going to be a completely different monster. I don't recommend starting anybody in this in this matchup for Marshall. I think you're really holding those guys for the matchups after this. And let's see if that Notre Dame offense can really get clicking this week, coming off that tough matchup opening game against Ohio State. Clemson hosting Furman, and I thought DJU was going to be yanked at some point in that game last week. Dabo stuck with him. I think you're going to see Clemson stick with him as well for as good as Cade Klubnick looked when he came in, let a touchdown drive immediately. I still think at some point Cade Klubnick is going to be the quarterback in the very near future for Clemson this year. Hard to see them struggling in a game against Furman where basically they can just flex their muscles, use the running game, play defense, and win this matchup. The only concern for me that I have moving forward is Will Shipley, uh, that running game against Georgia Tech. It's almost as if teams are like, look, we know we don't trust the Clemson running game, passing game. We're going to kind of load up the box. Shipley didn't really break any long runs. I know he had a couple of touchdowns against Georgia Tech. But in order for Will Shipley to be a fantasy factor or at least a major fantasy factor moving forward and live up to his preseason top 20 fantasy ranking, Clemson's got to get a passing game going or you're going to be looking at that running game getting bottled up and it's going to take a big one from, you know, from Maffa or Shipley or Pace to break one occasionally in that offense. Tennessee playing on the road at Pitt. Tennessee coming off that win against Ball State. Pitt coming off that nice win against West Virginia. This is a great SEC-ACC matchup. Curious to see, uh, you know, Hendon Hooker against that Pitt defense. Caden Slavis against that Tennessee defense. I think this potentially has a, a chance to be a really good one. But even though Tennessee's on the road, Cedric Tillman, Jabari Small, Hendon Hooker, that Tennessee offense, I think you've got to go ahead and roll with those guys this week. Hendon Hooker still projected nice numbers this week. Washington State playing at Wisconsin. And I know this was a big one because that Washington State offense did not look the part that we expected last week in that opener. Um, They struggled against uh, Idaho last week. And now all of a sudden, the Cougars hit the road playing at Wisconsin. This isn't exactly a timely get-right game for the Cougars, Cougars offense. So let's see how this one plays out. Braylon Allen, I believe, the CFF site's number one running back of the week, should get a heavy dose of Braylon Allen against that Washington State defense. But for me, I'm curious to see where Cameron Ward and this passing game, where they stand two weeks into the season, could be very telling for the fantasy prospects of Ward in that Washington State offense moving forward. Appalachian State playing at Texas A&M for as good as Appalachian State looked on offense last week. Let's hit the pause button this week. This might be the week to kind of take a break. They play on the road at Texas A&M, who was not overly impressive last week, let's be honest, in that opener, right? But I think if you're an owner of Devin Ashane, you've got to get him back in the lineup. I mean, let's be honest, guys. He had, and I know it was a rain delay game and there was some stuff going on, he still had 18 carries. One of the bigger surprises for me, uh, and there were a few in week one, was the fact that he only averaged 2.3 yards per carry last week. He gets 18 carries this week. I'm going to say he's going over 100 yards and finding the end zone. Let's see how that one plays out. 
Kennesaw State playing at Cincinnati. I'm not going to go through every game. I'm going to skip some games. I think for me from Cincinnati, the one thing that really played out is one, it looks like we're going to get Ben Bryant as the quarterback, which is fine. They played well against Arkansas. They were in the game the whole time, potentially in a spot to kind of win that game from time to time. But Corey Kiner, the running back for Cincinnati, the, the, the running back that we had projected as Cincinnati running back one going into the season. A lot of question marks going into the season on the depth chart. There's a lot of depth in that Cincinnati backfield. But after watching the opener against Arkansas, I feel confident saying that I believe Corey Kiner is going to stick as that running back one for Cincinnati. Memphis playing at Navy. I think the biggest thing coming into this matchup for me is that we've got to see a little bit of clarity at that running back spot for Memphis. Didn't really get a whole bunch of that last week against Mississippi State. I think we'll have a better idea against go with Memphis going up against uh, a really a weak Navy team that is coming off a loss in the opener. And for me, I still think that Jay Ducker is going to be the running back one for Memphis. I just happen to think I could be wrong. I think it's going to take two or three games for us to get there. Maryland playing on the road at Charlotte. We know Charlotte's down. Chris Reynolds, the defense for Charlotte, has not looked good. The only thing I'll say in regards to the Maryland side is that Maryland over the past couple of years has been one of those teams where you really need to get something out of them in that non-conference schedule because once when they hit the Big Ten schedule, they tend their numbers tend to take a big dip and are very inconsistent. With that being said, I would imagine there was a lot of folks that took a, you know, that that started, uh, you know, uh, Talia Tagovailoa last week, and surprisingly, for as many points as Maryland scored, he didn't have one passing touchdown. I think that changes this week. I think he has at least three, and they they win easily on the road at Charlotte, who right now can't stop anyone, uh, whose defense can't stop anyone right now. Rutgers playing at home against Wagner. And really the only thing I want to mention in this lineup is that I know this was something that Mike and I talked about in the spring and in the summer that Rutgers really needed to jumpstart that offense. And Gavin Wimsat had a decent game in his first showing in that win over Boston college. And I think it would really, really do Rutgers well to hand the reins over to him, maybe take the lumps as they go, but it was nice to get that win for them in the opener against Boston College. Virginia playing on the road at Illinois. Interesting matchup here. A lot of question marks about that UVA offense. Robert Anay leaving Virginia after following Bronco Mendenhall's retirement. Uh, Anay goes to Syracuse. New, new coaching staff. What seems to be maybe a new system. Um, but... It looked like much of the same. I mean, Brennan Armstrong, really strong first game out of the shoot. I know it wasn't against a great opponent, but it was nice to see him, you know, put up those big numbers that he did last week. And then over on the Illinois side, Chase Brown has been an absolute stud. So if you've got him, I think you're starting him this week at home. No fear whatsoever. Get Chase Brown in your roster, who's been one of the best running backs uh, so far, early on through two games for the teams that at least have played two games. Iowa State playing on the road at Iowa. This one looks like has all the signs to me of a defensive struggle. Iowa struggled last week, barely picked up a win, could not score an offensive touchdown. A couple of safeties and a field goal was enough to win the game. Uh, they really didn't need any more than that. And then you're looking at Iowa State coming off that three-touchdown performance by Xavier Hutchinson. I wouldn't expect much this week. Jarrell Brock looked like he's going to be the running back one of choice. You know, it looks like I wrote in my notes and observations. His owners could breathe a little easier moving forward. But let's kind of take a, you know, let's let's be careful with saying that because sometimes one week early on can change the, the perception of everything. And this matchup against Iowa will not be easy. I think we're going to see a defensive struggle in this one. Vegas agrees. They've got the over-under set at 40 and a half. So, you know, we'll be lucky to get five pa five touchdowns in this matchup <laughs> Michigan State playing at home against Akron thing that came out of the matchup for me and Michigan State in the opener was it going to be Broussard was it going to be Berger all signs right now at least early on are pointing to Jalen Berger as that running back one Indiana State playing on the road at Purdue and really the big questions going into the news into the season was Brock Thompson 
Iowa transfer Tyrone Tracy, Iowa transfer Charlie Jones, who was going to be the wide receiver one? Would it be someone else? And in that matchup against Penn State, there was just no denying that it was Charlie Jones. He seems to be the go-to guy for Aiden O'Connell. Top Lands in our top 10 rankings for this week. One more decent week, and I think you know we can say for certain that Charlie Jones is going to be your rock star receiver for the Boilermakers this year. UNLV playing on the road at Cal. <clears throat> Aiden Robbins, the youngster, you know, kind of struggled to get his, even though he got his in that opener for UNLV. Stiffer competition this week going on the road to Cal. And I think Jaden Ott, the young running back for California, is the name to own in this matchup this week. Portland State playing at Washington. Uh, remember, uh, that offense is going to spread it around a little bit. The thing that was most impressive for me, Michael Penix looking really good in that Washington offense. <clears throat> Samford playing at Georgia. One takeaway from that Georgia game over our Oregon is that for as good as Georgia was last year, for me in week one already, it feels like the Georgia offense is better than last year's offense already after one game. Long way to go. Let's see how that plays out over the course of the season. Houston playing on the road at Texas Tech. Clayton Toon, Nathaniel Dell putting things together late against UTSA, pulling out a win. Another huge game for Houston, and this is why I think that this is a really tricky game for Texas Tech. And I'm going to talk about the situation with the quarterback spot here too. So let's start with that with Texas Tech, where Tyler Shug got injured. Little uncertainty right now on the length of a duration of, of how long he'll be out. Looks like minimum three to four weeks. So, you know, my fear with Tyler Shug was that they were going to run into some hiccups in the schedule and that eventually that he would lose the job over to, to Baron Morton, right? When you look at Texas Tech's schedule, they host Houston, they play at NC State, they play Texas, go to Kansas State, at Oklahoma State. West Virginia Baylor, that's not exactly the easiest schedule, right? And so what I'm thinking is, is that Tyler Shug was going to struggle. We'd get to see Baron Morton, and eventually he would take over down the line. What I was not expecting, and a lot of us were not expecting, was that Donovan Smith was going to come in when Shug went down. Donovan Smith looked spectacular last week, and the numbers that he put up were very, very solid. Let's keep in mind it was Murray State, so let's not be too quick to judge. Although we do love that Kitley offense, it's hard not to put faith that that Kitley offense, that Kitley's going to produce points against any matchup because he did so last year when he was over at Western Kentucky. But let's pause it a little bit. And here's why I say that. This is why this week's going to be really tricky, right? Houston right now, if they win this game, when you look at, when you look at Houston's schedule, and I mentioned this earlier, Mike and I were talking about this. Houston plays in the American Conference. They do not play Central Florida this year in the regular season. They do not play Cincinnati this year in the regular season. This is going to be UTSA, in my opinion, UTSA, last week's opponent, and Texas Tech this week will more than likely be the toughest opponents they will face in the regular season. There's a chance if Houston wins this game, they run the table, go into that American championship game, American Conference Championship game undefeated, and have a chance to play for New Year's, you know, New Year's Six Bowl, whatever they call it. To me, this is a Super Bowl for this is Houston Super Bowl. I, I this game could be tighter than what we expect. I, I do expect we're gonna see some points, but I just say that because for as much as I love that Kitley offense and it's for as many points as it can produce, I'm wondering if Houston has something in them to go on the road and win this game at Texas Tech this week. This is going to be a fun one to watch. I don't think you can really sit any of your fantasy starters. Uh, Miles Price, I know, was a big disappointment for a lot of fantasy owners. We had him top 10, top 12 preseason. Uh, from all accounts, it seems like he's still going to be one of the top targets moving forward. Maybe it was a, just a bad game last week. If you want, if you have hesitation on starting him, I get it. I understand if you have better options and you feel that there are safer options on your roster, go ahead and move that way. Uh, but I, I think you give him another start, and and Brandley, Jaron Brandley, looks like he's going to be a star in this offense as well. And over on the Houston side, 
you know, they couldn't get the running game going much against UTSA. And I think that's really encouraging. If you've got Clayton tune and, and Nathaniel Dell in the Houston pass game, you start them with confidence. Middle Tennessee state playing on the road at Colorado state, middle Tennessee looked terrible against James Madison last week. Was it James Madison looking good? Was it MTSU looking bad? I think it was a little bit of both. I think the encouraging sign is, is that if you jumped on Colorado State players in the preseason because Jay Norville and that Nevada staff went over to Colorado State, trying to duplicate that success um, over in, in Colorado Springs, I think this is a really good matchup for them to do that. The great news to come out of the Michigan matchup for Colorado State in that offense is that wide receiver Tory Horton, who we're expecting to have a big year, still caught six passes for 69 yards in a touchdown in that loss to Michigan. And I think you're going to start him with confidence this week, and he's going to be one of the best receivers uh, in the nation this week, fantasy-wise, in week two when we when we hit the end of the week and we look back on it. Wyoming hosted Northern Colorado. I just bring this game up because I know it seemed like Titus Fenn, the running back for Wyoming, was a little banged up, got banged up in that opener against Illinois. There's a little concern about that Wyoming running game. I completely get it. I'm there too. And I'm wondering if this is a game you start him with confidence or this is a game that you kind of wait and see because part of me feels that if he is banged up, if the reports of like bruised ribs were true, Maybe this is a matchup where they 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 limit his carries or they even give him the week off. That's something you've got to pay attention to if you have Titus Fenn and you're thinking about starting him. Is let's make sure that he's ready to rock and roll this weekend. James Madison playing Norfolk State for as well as James Madison played last last week against Middle Tennessee. I think we're going to see much of the same this week. The great news is if you have Chris Thornton and Brown, the receivers from James Madison, there wasn't a ton of rotation in that passing game. I think you're going to see most of those guys as long, even with this game well in hand, you're going to still see them deep in this game as we did last week. And they may not even come out of the game or they, the numbers may continue to roll up until the game's 35, 42, nothing. Let's see if James Madison has another game in them last week. But Chris Thornton, the, the receiver for James Madison, top of our list, Number one wide receiver this week after that big week last week. UCLA hosting Alabama State. And really, for me, we know what we're going to get with DTR. We know what we're going to get with running back Zach Charbonnet. For me, it was Casimir Allen and his 10 receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown last week. It's hard for me to think that a player would post those type of numbers and just be a one-week wonder. For those of you that are hesitant, this is where two weeks of data really comes into play because now we start to see a trend. One more decent week by Allen, and I think you've got something here if those numbers are going to hold true, that big opener he had last week against Bowling Green. Kansas playing on the road at West Virginia. Great news watching that West Virginia offense if you happen to draft Bryce Ford Wheaton, the wide receiver of West Virginia. A lot of questions coming in because the big running back that has tight end um, eligibility as well uh, for, for West Virginia, and that is C.J. Donaldson, who last week ran seven. Uh, he had seven carries, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Just looks so impressive. Still, for me, it's still, I think, look, this is a Graham Harrell offense. I still at best in my prediction 50-50 rotation. I don't necessarily he's going to have those big numbers every time, but maybe maybe he's the guy that they go to at the goal line. So I do think that he's worth having on a roster right now, and I think we'll have a better idea of what's going on with him and his utilization as we get another game under our belt. Uh, Holy Cross playing at Buffalo for me really just want to get an idea of that Buffalo running back rotation last week. Buffalo you know, had that 31-10 loss at Maryland. This game, I think, will give us an idea of what they want to do at running back. We'll get some clarity here. UAB playing at Liberty. Hopefully, you owners of Dwayne McBride, who missed last week's game because of illness. Hopefully, he's back. It looks like he'll be returning to play. And then over on the Liberty side, Charlie Brewer out, broken hand. Caden Salter came in, led that uh, win over at Southern Miss last week for me. Uh, I, I, you know, I got to be careful saying this. I don't want to say this is another Malik Willis, but he has that dual threat ability that we saw with Malik Willis. And I'm not saying he is Malik Willis 2.0, but you could see the potential there. And so I think this is a really tricky matchup going up against the UAB defense. But for you, for you guys that went out and grabbed Caden Salter or are in it entertaining the possibility of picking him up, I don't think he's a bad 
sign and stash player right now. See how this looks against UAB. He looked pretty good against Southern Miss, and you may be on to something moving forward. Coastal Carolina playing at home against Gardner-Webb. Reese White with a huge game last week. Let's see what happens if and when Braden Bennett returns and how that affects Reese White fantasy value. Remember, Reese White, if you guys have been listening to the shows leading up to the season, was a player that I was jumping on on all of my best ball drafts because I just felt like that both running backs in this system you know, carried tremendous fantasy value. And to get Reese White essentially eight rounds later than where Braden Bennett was going was just too good of a, of a value to pass up. And for me, obviously it paid dividends because Braden Bennett didn't play Reese White with a huge week one, but let's see what happens when Braden Bennett actually does return. Kent State playing on the road at Oklahoma. Again, if you've listened to a bunch of shows, you know that Kent State, the concern is to schedule the first four games of the season. They've got three tough opponents, but another good matchup for Oklahoma here coming off that matchup against UTEP. They get Kent State here where Dylan Gabriel and that offense really just gives a chance to kind of click and gel before they get into into conference play. Utah State playing at home against Weber State. And look, let's let's be honest. We we knew what we were going to get with Utah State playing at Alabama. I don't know anyone that was willing to start a Utah State player in that matchup, but these are the matchups that Utah State and you fantasy owners get fat on, right? Brian Cobbs, McGriff, um, you know, got Logan Bonner at quarterback. Um, Van Leeuwen, the receiver, who's a, who's right now their wide receiver three. I don't, I don't know how you sit any of these those players. Uh, Calvin Tyler Jr., the running back. I don't know how you sit any of these players in this matchup against Weber State this weekend. This is definitely one of those get-right games for Utah State. Toledo playing at home against UMass, and for as good as this matchup looks on paper, man, Toledo really needs to get that running game going. You're not going to face any worse opponents than probably CW a post, and they did not get a lot going last week. Penny Boone, the Maryland transfer, got the most work in that running back position. Let's see if they can get some things figured out and whether or not there's going to be a player to own on the Toledo side in that backfield, maybe besides quarterback Daquan Finn. On the UMass side, the one thing I wrote in my notes and observations is the disappointment if you're an Ellis Merriweather fantasy owner because he didn't exact he didn't even lead the team in carries last year. It was Tim Baldwin uh, last year last week. It was Tim Baldwin Jr. And so I think now, because the UMass offense looked really bad, you've got some concerns moving forward with Ellis Merriweather at running back. And I think after this week, it's unfortunate, but some of you guys, if we get another clunker from him, may be willing to kind of move on from Ellis Merriweather. And that's tough to say after the numbers that he posted last year. Kentucky on the road playing at Florida. Florida, that impressive victory last week, last week against Utah. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, one of the more impressive performances of week one, just looked absolutely magical. And remember, we got a hint of this last year. Let's see now if that's going to be consistent from Anthony Richardson moving forward in this offense. Montreal Johnson, the Louisiana transfer, solid in his first game uh, at Florida as well, hosting Kentucky. And really, you know, for me with Kentucky, when you look at the running back, Ramon Jefferson, the transfer that came in, he already has blown an ACL. They're basically down to Cavazzi smoke at running back. Chris Rodriguez, I believe, is still suspended. I don't know how many games he's got left out, but Will Levis in that passing game are going to have to carry the Wildcats this week. And I do think if, if you have receiver Tavion Robinson, remember he was a transfer from Virginia Tech. He had a big week one against Miami of Ohio. I think he's a player that you're going to want to roll with this week. Ole Miss hosting Central Arkansas. Luke Altmeyer getting the start for Ole Miss. Remember, this was no secret. This is something Lane Kiffin promoted before week one even started, that he was going to give Dart and Altmeyer a start before he makes his decision. So basically, they've treated the first two games of the year as if they're live scrimmages, and we may not get any clarity on that quarterback spot until next week. Lamar playing at SMU. SMU's offense looking tremendous so far after two games. Rasheed Rice, as I mentioned earlier, Chris Thornton was going to be our number one receiver going into this week. Rasheed Rice, eight catches, 166 yards, and a touchdown last week. I think he's our second-rated receiver going into this week. And then Jordan Curley as well in that offense. 
with 100 yards and a touchdown last week should be a starter in your lineup this week as well. Tulane playing host to Alcorn State. Don't really expect Tulane to get much of a challenge in this, but the one thing that we learned last week is Tajay Spears is going to be a fantasy factor in that offense. They turn to him early and often, and I expect to see the same thing this week. Northern Illinois playing on the road at Tulsa. What we got out of NIU last week in their win was exactly what we thought. You know, a lot of a lot of Whaley, a lot of Ontario Brown, one-two punch in that backfield. We're going to see a lot of that moving forward. We wonder if this might matchup might be a little tough for them. They go uh, on the road to Tulsa, where Tulsa, I believe, last week had three 100-yard receivers. The big thing for Tulsa right now, Daenerick Prince um, and Amani Watkins, both of those guys right now are not part of the team. So they're kind of operating with third and fourth string running backs, or at least you know, that's what we're led to believe. And so you're going to see a lot of passing the ball for Tulsa. The strength relies in their passing game with Keelan Stokes, um, Juan Carlos Santana. And so don't be afraid to start the Tulsa receivers this week in that matchup against Northern Illinois. Florida International struggled last week in that opener. They were luckily, uh, lucky to, to come back and win that game. But good news if you're an owner of Tyrese Chambers, who started off with a big week one and should do well in week two. Syracuse playing on the road at Connecticut. Uh, not much, not, nothing much but a speed bump here for the Orange. And really the questions going into week one was what was going to happen with that Orange offense, the Syracuse offense, now that Robert Anais there. Uh, you know, how was he going to, you know, incorporate Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader into his play calling? It looks like they're going to lean on those two players. It's the strength of their offense. And it looks like if you just looked at the numbers last week compared to the numbers that we saw on a week to week basis last year. And you just looked at the box score, you wouldn't have thought that there was any difference in the coordinator. That's good news if you have Garrett Schrader. And it's great news if you have Sean, Sean Tucker, the running back for Syracuse. Nebraska playing at home against Georgia Southern. And, you know, here's, here's the Anthony Grant has been a pleasant surprise in that Nebraska backfield, at least for your fantasy owners. Nebraska still looks like there's just something not right there. We'll see what it is. But I think if you have Trey Palmer, you've got to get him in your lineups as well. Arizona State playing on the road. At Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders, just an unbelievable week one. Remember, we got word that Jaden Bray was going to be out going into that week one matchup. And pretty much all Braden Johnson did was fill in, catch six passes, 133 yards, and a touchdown. Impressive. He should have another good game if Bray is out. Brennan Presley, to me, was another player that's worth watching because he had five catches for 83 yards last week. Spencer Sanders did miss him on a deep one. He very easily could have had Johnson numbers. The concern here is what's going on with the Oklahoma State running backs. They threw 41 passes last week, and at some point in the game, there weren't a lot of rush attempts. Dominic Richardson finished nine carries, 61 yards, and a touchdown, so he was still able to get those points for you guys that started him. But remember, that opponent was Central Michigan. Let's see what happens this week against Arizona State. I know that game was probably tighter than what we anticipated last week, but this matchup against Arizona State should really give us a real clue on how Oklahoma State, what their rotation is going to be like. Whether or not we get Jaden Bray remains to be seen, but I do think we do. I do think we see a little bit more of Dominic Richardson and the youngster Jaden Nixon. I think we see them touch the ball a little bit more in this matchup against Arizona State, where they're going to lean on Emory Jones and Zazavian Valade. They're coming off of a week one win. This was a team that we were really worried about going into the 2022 season with all the the the, the changes and turmoil that they had going on in the offseason. Let's not be, you know, let's be honest here. For me, that 40 to 3 win over Northern Illinois, while it looks great on paper, for me, Still a little bit of a smokescreen for me. Could be a little bit of fool's gold. I want to see how they do on the road at Oklahoma State because I have concerns on whether or not Arizona State may just be the worst team. Yeah, maybe maybe better than Colorado in the Pac-12. Um, I, I think that you know my prediction going into the season that they were probably the second worst team in the Pac-12 at best. And uh, let's see how they look against Oklahoma State. Hopefully I'm wrong on that. And you got one thing we do know 
is that Zazavian Valade really looks like he's established himself as the top back in that offense. But let's see what happens as they take a step up in competition this week. Arizona playing on the road at Stanford. This is an intriguing matchup for me. One, you know, Caleb Williams really didn't post the numbers that we thought he was in week one, but they did play Rice. So there was a chance to really get a lot of guys involved. They got the youngster, uh, Relic Brown, in at running back as well. You know, the numbers sort of explained a little bit uh, or, or was able to kind of show why we were not as high on on uh, Travis Dye going into the season as, as you know, maybe some of you all thought we were going to be. But the rotation there seems imminent in that USC running game. Um, you know, Jordan Addison looks like he's going to be the top target, which is great. I mean, that's what all of you guys uh, wanted to see, you know, jumped on him early. But. This is an interesting matchup here going on the road at Stanford. First of all, EJ Smith, one of my sleepers going into the season. First run was like a 70-yarder. He looks really good, both as a receiver out of the backfield and a runner. The Stanford offense is pretty experienced. Between quarterback and skill personnel, they're going to really do well, I think, again, in this matchup. I think this could be a high-scoring game right here. So you owners of Caleb Williams, I think, are going to kind of get this week out of him what you thought you were going to get out of him last week, but with one caveat, I, I, I wonder if USC is a little bit on upset alert this weekend at Stanford. I think this game might be a little bit closer than what people think. Right now, the spread was at eight and a half. I think I think the Cardinal can keep it close. San Jose State playing at Auburn. San Jose State didn't really look ex- as sharp as I thought they would be in that opener. You know, Shevin Cordero, the transfer, Elijah Cooks, the transfer from uh, the receiver transfer from Nevada, did get some of get, did get their numbers, but. San Jose State looks like that running game is going to struggle again, and San Jose State's going to have to rely on the passing game. They're going to be one-dimensional going into Auburn. I don't think that's going to work. I think the Auburn defense is going to be able to shut them down. But what we're looking for for Auburn from Auburn is that we know we're going to get a heavy dose of Tank Bigsby, one of the top running backs going into Week 2 projected uh, for us. But let's see what happens with the quarterback position. Is it going to be TJ Finley? Is it going to be Robbie Ashford? There's a lot of people out there that saying Ashford may be the starter. And whether or not we see some rotation in that Auburn quarterback spot remains to be seen. But I don't think we've heard the end of this one. And we could wind up seeing at my prediction is I think I've seen enough of TJ Finley to think that I don't know if he's the long-term answer there at Auburn. And I'm wondering if we're going to see Robbie Ashford or maybe at some point. Uh, now that he's, you know, once when he gets healthy, if we'll see Calzada down the line. LSU playing host to Southern. And look, let's be honest, Kayshawn Booty did not look mentally in the game last week. You know, Mike and I talked about this. Here's one thing that I'll predict. Um, you know, first of all, let's talk about LSU, right? Because when you look at their schedule, they play Southern. They, I think they play New Mexico. They play UAB. Other than those three games, there's not a lot of winnable games on their schedule. They could be playing Auburn in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, to see who maybe who finishes last and who finishes sixth in the SEC West. I think LSU could potentially finish in the cellar of the SEC West. And, you know, this is a game where maybe they try to get Kayshawn Booty right. I think they try to feed him. I think they try to get him mentally into the game. But long-term, I'm still on the fence with Booty. And I know this is where, you know, my opinion comes in on fantasy outlooks or just, a, or it, it's just a little bit different, I think, than some, because if you listen to some of the shows that I did in the preseason throughout the summer, you, you'll you know that, you know, I worry about guys opting out at the end of the year. I made reference to that. I worry if Auburn struggles too much. Are they really going to give Tank Bigsby 25 carries? Is he, is he even going to play the last couple of games of the year? You know, would he be worried about getting injured and hurt when they can't make a bowl game? You know, is he just going to play to play in that Alabama matchup? That's one thing I worry about Kayshawn Booty, right? He just doesn't look mentally there. If LSU struggles out of the gate and they're still stuck on two wins halfway through the season and there's still some you know, there's still some, uh, you know, the air just doesn't feel right up there. Is Booty going to opt out? And so that's why I don't really have any shares of those players, because not only do I draft players based on what I think their fantasy potential is for most of the year, but in season long leagues, I want to know that I'm going to have players there at the end of the year. 
that if I make the playoffs, I can rely on. So I tend to stay away from some of the players that I have a little feeling. And it's just part of projecting where you're at or where things will be 11 and 12 weeks down the line. I hate to say that because when you're playing in leagues, it's all about getting to the playoffs. And then you worry about winning the playoffs once when you get there. But if I'm investing a first-round pick, I want or at least hope, one, that the guy is going to stay healthy, and two, is he going to still be there at the end of the year? That's one concern I have with a player like Kayshawn Booty. North Texas playing at Texas, uh, home to Texas Southern. It just looks like Oscar Attaway got things going last week. Let's see if North Texas leans on him as his running back one. Indiana playing host to Idaho. And there was, this is why I want to bring up Indiana. There are four teams in the projections this week that this is where not having a ton of data and trending data or tons of analytics come in and really kind of play with the projections a little bit, right? You've had the two receivers, Brown and Thornton at James Madison, have big week ones. You had Holden and Burton look good for Alabama in week one. You had the two Indiana receivers with big weeks last week in that opener for them against Illinois. When you go back to week zero, think about the Western Kentucky, Daywood Davis and Malachi Corley and how big of a week one both of those guys have. Well, the projections spit them out so that they're top 12, top 15 receivers the following week. It didn't exactly work out for you guys that had Malachi Corley the following week when they played Hawaii. That's my concern about not having too much data for the projections because sometimes the projections will take that one-week data and kind of inflate it a little bit into the following week. And so for as good as Cam Camper and for as good as DJ Matthews looked, for as good as Chris Thornton and Reggie Brown looked for James Madison and then Holden and Burton looked for Alabama, a part of me just wonders whether or not the projections – are just kind of giving us what we saw in week one because it's hard for the algorithm to really catch that one-week wonder when all we have is one week of data. So if you notice when I put out a rankings, I actually bumped down Camper and Matthews because I don't, you know, for me, I want to start guys that I know that I feel I can trust. I want to feel guys that I want to start guys that, that I know that I have a little bit more security in. And so I say this because I get a lot of questions in difference between rankings and projections, right? So let me address that right now. It's why I would rather start a Cedric Tillman on the road at Pitt than I would at DJ Matthews or Cam Camper for Indiana this week because I know what I'm getting with Cedric Tillman. He's done it week after week after week for a whole year, and I know that he more than likely will be head and hookers go-to target in this matchup against Pitt. So that's where it's so so the projections, that's what the that's what the 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 data analysis and the trends tell us. The problem is. Is one week of data enough to give us a trend? And my argument is no. The rankings are the guys that I would start if I had them on my roster in week one. That's where I trust. So I tend to put a little bit more faith into my rankings than I do the actual projections. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes the projections are better than, than the rankings. And sometimes my rankings are better than the projections. But I do get some questions. You've got this guy ranked here. You've got the projections have him here. Why the difference? That's sort of it. The projections are what you put in. The algorithm gives you based on the data, the analytics, the historical data. The rankings are the kind of the gut feels that you have to have knowing the history of that player, the opponent, you know, the confidence that you have in them. That's things that the computer really, that the algorithm doesn't pick up. So that's really why. So I warn everyone. Now, here's the good thing. The Indiana running game doesn't look like it's going to be much this year, right? Uh, against Illinois, it did not look great. Now, do they try to get the running game going this week? Probably so. But you got to realize how many passes and receptions Matthews and Camper had last week. That They literally could have three quarters of the receptions that they had last week and still have a really good week this week. Because, you know, this was a point I want to make, and this is what's interesting about that Indiana passing game. When you look at Camper and you look at Matthews, those guys each average over 14 yards per catch. 
against Illinois. Camper had 11 catches. Matthews had seven. Even if one of those, even if each of those guys only catches six passes, they're playing Idaho this week. What makes me think that they're going to, their yards per catch is going to be significantly less against a significantly inferior opponent. You know, you, you get six catches for 14 yards and all of a sudden that's a hundred yards for each guy. If they're averaging 14 yards a catch. So that's why the projections have those guys up there is because you could take down their, their numbers, their receptions, but that yards per catch and the way the offense operated against Illinois makes it seem as if that's the way that they're going to operate in the passing game against Idaho. So if they're averaging 14 yards per catch against a quality opponent, what could they do? against a team like Idaho. And that's why you see those guys rank so high going into this matchup. Hawaii playing on the road at Michigan, the two-headed monster at running back. Uh, we're still waiting for those guys to explode, but this is a game that Michigan should just dominate. I'll be surprised after watching Hawaii if Hawaii is even able to score in this game. Michigan, for me, probably the top-ranked defense to play this week. Uh, TCU, let's see how, let's see if they can get things going in the passing game. Quentin Johnston, let's see if they can get him going. I mean, he's been hit or miss over the past year. A lot of potential there. I think they try to make a concerted effort to get him going and Kendra Miller going in the running game. San Diego State hosting Idaho State. Let's see if we get a little clarity in that San Diego State backfield. Oregon playing host to Eastern Washington. Let's be honest. Oregon played Georgia last week. It's really hard to develop any type of idea of what's going on with Oregon when you just get demolished, you know, like they did last week. I think we get a little bit more of a sense of an identity from the Ducks offense moving forward this weekend as they play Eastern Washington. UTEP playing at home against New Mexico State. The only reason why I want to mention UTEP is that both of their receivers so far this year, even though UTEP has struggled, um, Ronaldo Flores, at least seven catches in both games. Tyron Smith, at least seven catches in both games. Both of those guys look like that they're going to have a big week this week in that matchup against New Mexico State, who early on, New Mexico State, maybe UConn, UMass, those teams, those three teams right now in the running to be the worst teams in the FBS right now. And so UTEP really catching a break. And so I think this is a good week if you need a receiver to target one of those two guys in this matchup. Baylor playing on the road at BYU. A few injury concerns with BYU at receiver. We'll see how that shakes out. This has potential to be one of the better games of the weekend to watch. Late game on, 9-15 start, 10-15 start. Eastern time. This will be a game that where most of the games are going to be done throughout the day um, where, you know, maybe you have a little bit of fantasy interest, but you know, at the end of the day, most of the games and scores, you know, where you stand, this might be one of the more enjoyable ones to watch during the day because you won't have the pressures of those fantasy numbers coming in on this matchup, Oregon state playing at Fresno state, interesting matchup. Oregon took down Boise state last week. Let's see if they can take out Fresno state. This week, Jordan Mims, for me, definitely a must-start. We'll see what happens with that Oregon State running game. And as I predicted, Jack Coletto, the running back, still in there doing his things at Wildcat. And I, my fear is that he's just going to vulture some of those touchdowns away. And so unless one running back really, really gets the lion's shares of carries, it's going to be hard for me to really suggest starting an Oregon State running back uh, this year unless we see one guy emerge and get 20 carries a game. And then... Mississippi State going on the road at Arizona. Uh, you know, this is going to be a fun one to watch, too. Uh, you know, Will Rogers, our top-rated quarterback going into this weekend, 400 yards and four touchdowns seems like a realistic possibility. And, of course, Arizona State going on the road and taking down San Diego State last week. That was a surprise for me. The UTEP transfer, Jacob Cowing, three touchdowns last week. Jaden Delora, the Washington State transfer quarterback, looked really good. And so kind of solidified my prediction that I thought Arizona would be better than Arizona State going into this season. And by all accounts, it looks like right now Arizona State has some things trending in the right direction. So that's going to do it 
Week two show in the books. It was a long one. There's a lot of matchups this week. There was a lot to get to. I wanted to record this as soon as possible. I'm going to try to upload it as much as possible. You guys with the exclusive email, send them in. Mike's working the Discord. He's doing all of his DFS write-ups. We've got the projections live up on the site. We've got the weekly top 20 up on the site. We're going to do the DFS uh, write-ups for Mike. are going to be coming in tomorrow, Saturday, uh, Friday, you know, Friday, Saturday. Probably might even have something up there tonight. But jam-packed information. Tons of stuff. Get in on the projections if you're not there yet. The projections, as we get player news, will probably be updated up until Friday evening, maybe early Saturday morning. We're going to do as much as we can to catch all the latest and breaking news. But remember, if you're not following along on the site, you want to be in there in the Discord as well because that's the spot to be on Saturday mornings and before game day, game day whether you're playing DFS whether you've got whether you're trying to make decisions on your lineups throughout the day that discord channel is just buzzing in the morning on saturday mornings news coming in from around the country player news injury news you name it you want advice on your rosters it's the place to be if you are an all american or an heisman member and you do not yet are in if you are not yet in the discord send a link you don't have to be active in there you don't have to type things but you catch a lot of the news that breaks late and allows you to make the adjustments on your lineup. So that's it. That's going to do it for the week two show. More content to come on the site with all the DFS uh, write-ups that Mike's doing. We're going to get this uploaded on the site, but that's going to do it for week two. My name is Joe DeSalvo, the voice of the CFF site. I'll see you guys in week three.